It's the season finale of the retail grind. We take one last look at the macro economy, the retail economy, and spend some time with our friend Jesse Cole of the Savannah Bananas. Welcome to the retail grind. And as part of this episode 12, I'm here with my partner in crime, Garrick Brown. Garrick, it seems like just yesterday we were in episode one, and here we are, 12 episodes later, <laughs> on the retail grind. Time flies, Bill. Time flies. Well, I hope you can uh, maybe put some air into the economic data and numbers. So let's start with your um, overview, your meta view of the U.S. economy. What are you seeing out there? What's going on? So, you know, the interesting thing is back in the fall, I was speaking at the Connects event Mm -hmm. that we had, uh, and I think I presented four different scenarios for the economy. One, which was a minute chance, that would be that the Fed engineers a soft landing and a quick return to growth that essentially we just have this blip of uncertainty and everything goes great guns uh, as we get deeper into the year. All along, I said that was maybe a 5% chance at most. At the other end of the spectrum was the deep, dark, super ugly, scary recession where, again, I put that at about a 5% chance, but it really depends on a whole bunch of things going wrong. The other two options were really where I was, uh, I think, probably in agreement with most economists, that either we would have a no-growth year, in other words, a, a, a slow session or a no session, or a very mild and brief downturn. Mm -hmm. And I was leaning more towards something in the middle of those, um, that we might go negative with economic growth, uh, but there there weren't any glaring bubbles out there. The stock markets come back to earth. It needed to do so. Uh, The housing situation, completely different than what we saw in the 2008 financial crisis. There's no doubt that increasing interest rates, we've essentially doubled the cost of money. The residential real estate market is slowing very considerably. But the reality is, unless you have to move right now and you just bought your house at the top of the market in the last 18 months, you're probably okay. Because this this hiccup, as long as you're not having to move right now, your housing values will return to growth because we've had 13 years of almost no housing development. Hmm. That said, there's there's real challenges. It's going to be a lot more difficult for first-time home buyers to get into the market. Affordability is going to be a greater issue for a while. But the reality is we just don't have anything out there like the bad loan product, the adjustable rate mortgages, all of that stuff that created the financial collapse. 
On top of that, all of the banks are in relatively good situations. And something I think really gets ignored in this high inflation uh, situation is that corporate profits are up about two and a half times from historic norms in the last 18 months. Some of that's been driven by the winners of the current situation, you know, energy, for example, defense mm-hmm. stocks. But at the end of the day, one of the challenges of every inflation is, or every inflationary period is that large corporations are much more able to pass on the increase in costs and sneak in a few more <laughs> than small businesses are. Uh, I don't want to say it's gouging, but the fact is there's a lot of profitable companies out there. Now, that hasn't changed that we see this, this constant drumbeat of tech layoffs that's building. Mm-hmm. As well as, you know, really anybody who benefited from the pandemic economy. Uh, and a lot of that had to do with just these companies approached that surge in their service demand as if it would be permanent. But, you know, Microsoft just laid off 10,000 people. Are they at risk? Not really. Mm-hmm. Google or well, Alphabet, same thing. Uh, if you go across the board, the tech difficulties are nothing like the tech wreck in 2000, 2001. These are profitable, hugely profitable companies that are just trimming the fat, more or less. That doesn't help anyone who's been laid off, obviously. But there's some good news, is that the the labor market remains incredibly robust. And here's what blows me away, is that in the last two to three weeks, Moody's, the, uh, the Chase uh, Bank economists, a number of other big economic groups have all shifted their forecasts based upon the latest metrics to be much more rosy, where the phrase no session and slow session are being thrown around. Now, I hope that happens, but here's, here's some interesting things. As of December, Our unemployment rate was 3.5%. This is back to exactly where it was in January and February of 2020. And at that time, that was the lowest unemployment we had seen since 1967. So it was a 50-year low. We're back there. Now, as far as employment growth, we continue to see strong job creation, We're up 1.2 million jobs from where we were before the pandemic. While it's slowing a little bit, we still have near record levels of available positions out there. Uh, We had reached a peak with that going back to March, at which point we had about 11.9 million available jobs in the U.S., which is the highest level that the Department of Labor had ever recorded since they started keeping this data. It's still at about 10.5 million jobs. And on top of that, the big number, inflation, 
the raising of interest rates is playing out very quickly. We were back in the 6% range for December. So I think that's what's prompted all of this sudden movement towards more optimism. That doesn't change that there are risks ahead. Uh, I would have to say at this point, the biggest risk would be the whole debt ceiling uh, situation. Mm -hmm. And that's challenging because, you know, it's politically loaded. And no matter what you say, you're going to upset some people here. We have a massive problem with deficit spending. The only problem that if we allow the U.S. to default on the bills we owe already, is that it's estimated that alone would cost us as a country another $800 billion because our interest rates would shoot up. It would also be sure to rattle global financial markets. And think about the impact on U.S. consumers of suddenly Social Security checks, the military pay. None of that is happening that would almost certainly plunge us in to a fairly deep recession. Uh, now, now, granted, we've been down this road before. In 2011, we got two days from default. For the first time in U.S. history, our credit rating was lowered. That alone, because, because the two days before uh, before default, it caused enough stress in the financial markets that it was the most volatile week in Wall Street since the financial collapse. And it's estimated that just that hit to our credit, which was restored within a month, cost us, as far as our national debt, an extra $11 billion. So, well, I absolutely think we need to do something as a country about getting our balanced budgets done. Not paying bills you've already racked up. It wouldn't work for you or me if, if I got my, uh, my Chase visa bill and said, I'm spending too much, therefore I'm not going to pay you. All that would happen would be bad things. The way to go about this is 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 this actually sticking to budgets. Hopefully, this is just going to be a showdown like 2011, and 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 maybe there'll be some compromises. But this is this is now emerging as the bigger risk. Uh, it would definitely push us into recession. I just find it ironic that this is happening as every economist out there is starting to become more optimistic. Timing is everything. Yes. Um, interesting observations on the macro macroeconomic situation, uh, Garrick. And a little later in the uh, this episode 12, we'll wrap up this season one and, and hear from you about um, a lot about the retail economy, which is of most direct uh, interest to our audience, but as kind of a preview to what we're going to talk about a little bit later and to lead into our, our guest interview with Jesse Cole of the Savannah Bananas, do you have any thoughts or observations about experiential retail and uh, 
you know, spoiler alert, the Savannah Bananas are the ultimate fan experience. We like to think of our retail customers and even our facilities as providing an experience and engagement with our fans, our customers in a way. What are your thoughts about experiential retail and where that's uh, going? Well, you know, the amazing thing, Bill, is that this is not a new concept uh, at, at all as far as the experience to come. Uh, there was a really great influential book written in the late 90s uh, by a couple of economists that I really honor their work, where they had basically looked at the transformation from us, uh, from an agricultural to an industrial to a service-based society, and they made the logical jump that to command top prices for your goods and services in, in a marketplace where, where basic service was being commoditized, you had to create an experience. And, and you know, their, their big example was Disney. You know, why can Disney charge twice as much as any other theme park out there? And it was because they really created memorable experiences. Now, in the sports world, I love to hear this because this is the way all of retail has been going for 10 years. Uh, it's the way to combat e-commerce, yep. give people a reason to show up. And what Savannah Bananas are doing, I mean, while, while you could look back and say there's historical precedent, uh, the Indianapolis Clowns in baseball, mm -hmm. the old Negro Leagues, the Harlem Globetrotters. But, but I, don't, I don't think that they've had a season that they haven't sold out in years. Correct. Yep. I mean, they create real excitement. Obviously, if you're a baseball purist, they might not be for you. <laughs> yeah, that would be <laughs> an accurate statement for sure. But, but, you know, the fact is they realize that, that they're in the entertainment business. And, and so I think that's something that, that, that's really fascinating with what they've done. It really carries over to so many different areas of the economy and how do you differentiate yourself when all of your competitors we're all offering very similar services with very little differentiation. Mm -hmm. Well, Garrick, that's a, a great way. And, and I, I see what you did there. You went full circle back to the economy at large. We love that. And uh, very interesting takes again on the macroeconomic picture. And after we talk to Jesse Cole, we're going to be back with you to talk about the retail economy and what's going on with that. And I have to say, too, uh, I, I love the uh, maybe a little bit more positive picture of the economy and where whether we're going to go into recession or all those variations of it. So, Garrick, thanks for that. We'll talk to you in a moment. So for our audience here on the Retail Ground, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to be back with the uh, 500th episode of The Daily Grind. If you don't uh, know this, there's a companion program to The Retail Grind through Connects FM. We do a almost daily video show uh, at ConnectsFM.com called The Daily Grind. And we've done 500 episodes and Jesse Cole, the owner, CEO, chief 
uh, provocateur of the Savannah Bananas, join me on a walk around his stadium to talk a little bit more about the Savannah Bananas. So after this quick break, join me with that interview. Hi, Bill Yannick here with Connects FMCO. Welcome to episode 500 of the Daily Grind. <laughs> so um, I was just talking with Jesse off camera. This is Jesse Cole, CEO, founder, uh, founder all owner, the above, intern mascot, intern whatever mascot you want to call me. Of the Savannah Bananas. I know that the um, majority of our members know who he is, but um, I came down here. Well, we both shared a day with our friend Gary V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I came down here and spent a day with jesse's team uh to talk a little bit about your fans first experience and all that behind the scenes that was back when we had zero episodes of the daily grind so now that we're on 500 i decided to go back to where it all began so jesse i guess i should have uh, done this at the get-go maybe a quick introduction of, of who you are for the two people out there who don't know who the savannah bananas are and what you do sure well we're here in banana land savannah georgia our ballpark and yes yeah, so i'm the owner of the savannah bananas and you know we had a big goal to make baseball fun and create a circus-like atmosphere. And we started this seven years ago. Within a few months, only sold a handful of tickets, had to sell our house, empty out our savings account, sleeping on an airbed until we said, hey, let's go crazy. Let's go different. Dancing players, break dancing coaches, banana nanas, dance teams, senior citizens, banana baby, banana band. And we went all out and we even reinvented baseball with a banana ball new game. And so now we are fortunate. Uh, we sold out every game. We travel around the country and uh, we have a wait list that's actually approaching 500,000 right now for tickets, which is crazy. Wow. So, um, we want to walk and talk here. Jesse sure. does this regularly around the stadium, so we're going to go on Historic Grayson Stadium. So you mentioned about your tour. You, you've changed it up a little bit, right? You used to play in a league, a regional league down here yep. in, in Georgia and, and the surrounding states. So what's going on? What's the latest iteration? What's the tour all about? And what are you going to be doing in, in the near future? Sure. Well, the name of our company is Fans First. So everything we do is we try to create the best fan experience. And what we realized now, you know, first at our ballpark, baseball was many long, slow, and boring. We made it fun. We added all these other things. And we said, all right, also nickel and dime, let's make it all inclusive here in Savannah. All your food, all your items for one price. We kept going down that line until we realized that, hey, people were still leaving games early. And Bill, you don't leave Top Gun Maverick or a great movie (laughs) in the middle of a movie and say we had a good time. So there was a fundamental problem challenge with baseball. So what we said is, well, what if we reinvent the game, make it faster, like a two-hour time game, all the boring plays like walks we eliminate and stepping out and mound visits. So we tested this, like a one-city world tour in 2021. Went to Mobile, Alabama, of all places, and sold 7,000 tickets in, in 24 hours. Unreal. And said, all right, this is it. So we did it again, seven cities. And while we were still playing a traditional league, in addition to this, we realized that we couldn't really create the experience that we wanted for fans in a regular traditional game. And and fans were disappointed when they came to our regular game that they didn't get banana ball. Yeah. So we made the big jump and received some criticism and challenge, but we left our traditional league to go all in on banana ball and now travel the country playing other professional teams, independent teams, and play our other team, the Party Animals. Awesome. Well, um, and, and we look forward to seeing you back in. You've been in the DFW area, right? We're headquartered down there, didn't you? Uh... Uh, no, we're in, te- well, we're in Sugar Land. Oh, Sugar Land. Uh, Sugar okay. Land, but we're okay. not, uh, soon we're going to be more in Texas. Texas has been the biggest demand we've had of anywhere. Yeah. And well, in the other place I know you've, you've been to, uh, which was awesome. And you can see on, on the ESPN series too was in Kansas City. Yeah. So uh, another test and everything we do is experiments. I think great entrepreneurs business, they're constantly trying new things and experiments and things that might not go well. If they really care about their fans, they got to continue doing new things and their customers. So yeah, we, uh, did a one, a one city against another team. And that was the Kansas City Monarchs. And that was featured 
yesterday on the ESPN special, and they had all these major leaguers, and they had to learn how to play <laughs> banana ball, which was a challenge. But they uh, they learned it and they played it, and uh, it was unbelievable. So that that pushed us to now have 22 games against challengers this tour, and we'll probably do more in the future. Yeah, and on the show, it's it's fascinating to see these high top level players too. You could tell the apprehension because uh, you all had them nervous right they were and and i think one of the guys said i'm not dancing oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, real real men don't dance <laughs> yeah. as all of our players are dancing all game so yeah. i don't know what that says about us but yeah i mean everything we do is about fun and we know we're not for the most baseball fans we're not for the most traditional fans but you know if we're for a group that wants to come have fun it's perfect for us so you mentioned the dancing and for my where i remember when we were at your your day here you call it uh flipping the switch i believe <laughs> So what's that? How how does that work? You you bring in top notch talent. These these guys are great baseball players, but they also help with the fans' first experience. So what's the flipping a switch mean, yeah. and what's that? Well, our head coach Tyler Gilm coined that phrase, and because he had to, you know, the biggest question he gets as a coach is how do you get buy in from the players? I mean, literally, yeah. they're they're coming up to bat with their bats on fire, they're dancing nonstop, they're singing. Like, how do you get them all to do this? And he we share our vision of mm-hmm. what we're trying to do, connect with a more younger audience and fans, and create kids that love the game. But he says every game. Uh, we have to have a script that is flip the switch. So you are from your entertainment to your baseball. You have to be able to focus on both. And so, you know, when we have a script, uh, I think yellow is, is going into the entertainment and then the green is baseball. And so he has a script. So you're looking at it, you're like, all right, I'm entertainment mode. All right, now I'm baseball mode. And a lot of times they do mix, but the reality is the guys can really um, separate themselves and understand what where they need to be at right with the right moment. And we're back. And again, my thanks to Jesse Cole for joining us on the 500th episode of The Daily Grind, which is also the season, uh, the 12th episode of our season one of the Retail Grind podcast for his thoughts. And the tickets are hard to get. So keep an eye. They're going to be all over the country. Good luck on getting the tickets. But if you do, it's a it's a show. It's a baseball game like you've never seen. And we're back with uh, our provocateur a la the economy. See what I did there, Garrick? He's Garrick Brown. <laughs> he just got done talking to us a little bit earlier on this episode um, about some positive things and some negative things about the economy. There are always, there's always something happening in there. Uh, so, and retail has been on this uh, high wire act for years. And, uh, and certainly now that we're emerging out of COVID, but with some economic stressors, what are you seeing vis-a-vis retail out there in the marketplace, Garrick? Well, you know, the headlines right now are probably a little bit too full of concerns about, obviously, Bed Bath & Beyond has issues. They're probably going to be filing bankruptcy. Uh, They have said so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Party City just declared bankruptcy last week. But keep in mind, these these are companies that have been on bankruptcy watch lists since prior to the pandemic. I, I actually view them as the last casualties of the pandemic. Huh. And, you know, it's my sincere hope that they can go through reorganization. They can shed a bunch of debt. They can trim down, become leaner and meaner and get back to profitability. Uh, when, when I talk to my broker friends, we are seeing a little bit of a slowdown in deals, but this is coming after a 2022 that was the strongest year for retail occupancy growth in 20 years. So there's been a miraculous rebound. 
And, and there's still more reason for hope as long as we don't screw it with the economy. Uh, you know, I mentioned that the inflation rate, which had peaked at 9%, it's down to 6.4. Mm-hmm. Gas prices are now back to where they were in basically November 2021. So before the surge, they're back to those levels. Um, in fact, year over year, prices right now are down 1%. Maybe most importantly for anyone involved in development and certainly retailers and uh, anyone involved in tenant improvements, the cost of construction materials, which which had soared to astronomical levels yeah. earlier this year. We were literally dealing with a 40% increase uh, back in March. They have shrunk back. They're back to pre-surge levels that we saw in late 2021. All of that's good news. You know, uh, and especially even though we are seeing uh, a little bit of an uptick in layoffs, that job market remains strong. I, I do think that 3.5% unemployment rate will eventually get closer to five. But certainly for anyone involved in retail or the service industry, it actually means it's going to be a lot easier to find help. You know, and, and, and if you look at where we are compared to before the pandemic, there's only a couple of categories that have not gotten back to previous levels of employment, you know, and some have surged. Mm-hmm. I mean, office using use, office using employment is up 1.2 million jobs and there's another two and a half million available positions. But if you just look at say leisure and hospitality, which includes hotels and restaurants, there's still about 900,000 jobs short from where they were before the pandemic. A little bit more, uh, challenge in the job picture actually would help the service industries quite a bit. Actually, here's a great stat. As of last month, wage growth stood at a higher rate of growth than inflation, 6.7%. So finally wages were keeping up just briefly, uh, with, with the overall inflation that was eroding all the races that we've, that we've experienced. So, you know, looking forward, there are real causes for optimism. The only problem is there's still a whole bunch of ugly variables out there, but, but retail sales maybe is the best one. And again, I'm going to caution everyone, the monthly numbers, show things slowing down. December retail sales were down 1.1% from November, but they were still up 6% from last year. Okay, those two data points are going to continue to play out like that, where you're gonna see a couple of months, especially this being the slow season for retail, where negative month over month growth 
but it'll still be stronger numbers than what we saw last year. And last year was a banner year. So there's, there's real, there's real opportunities for, for optimism. I, I think the challenge right now is for us to get the uncertainty out of the way. The, the will we or won't we have a recession question. Once that uncertainty is gone, I think you'll start to see people uh, with healthy balance sheets, which is most the market, doing a whole lot more deals and really lifting the economy back up. Perfect way to put a bow on this episode 12 of season one. Garrick, thank you for joining us uh, along the way. What a roller coaster. And um, we'll see Garrick. So for our audience out there, the Connects FM National Conference, Connects FM 2023, will be at the Gaylord National uh, April 3 through 5. Go to ConnectsFM.com to register, to attend. Garrick will be speaking at our executive breakfast there. And we'll also have... The Retail Grind. We're going to be live from the exhibition floor at the Gaylord Texan. Garrick will be there. I'll be there as well as the Connects FM team. And I know a number of you in our audience for National Conference. Garrick, again, any final thoughts as we wrap this season one and look forward to season two of the Retail Grind? Yeah, hey, look, uh, it's been a great year, but I, I did want to put an invitation out. Anybody who's going to be in the Bay Area, there is a nonprofit that supports um, disadvantaged youth in the Bay Area. It's it's a group of architects, engineers, commercial real estate people. Uh, it's called the CARE Group. CARE is in C-A-R-E? On C -A -R -E? Tuesday, March 7th. Oh, yes, C-A-R-E. Got it. Okay. On March 7th, uh, I'm going to be at the Hotel Nico uh, in the Feinstein Room, and I'm going to be hosting... Uh, an exploration of life science, uh, real estate, and I'm going to share probably some of my uh, my own insights beyond commercial real estate. Uh, if you remember the Hair Club for Men, yep. <laughs> uh, I'm not just a CEO; uh, <laughs> I'm a client. Yep. Uh, it'll be a little bit similar uh, for me in that. Uh, I'm going to share some of my insights as to what it's like to go through one of these experimental life-saving therapies. Wow. Yeah. I know that was quite a journey. And, and I really appreciate your hair club for men reference. I try to do that around the Connects FM team. And most of them look at me like um, they have no idea what I'm talking about. So uh, we've, we've lived through those hair club commercials. <laughs> Love it. Garrett, that's great stuff. And we'll, um, Make sure that we put out information on that March event on our channels through ConnectsFM.com. It's called the Care Group again, correct? Correct. Got it. Good stuff, Garrick. Thank you to our audience out there. Thank you for being with us through these 12 episodes. Big things to come for the retail grind. That's your episode 12 for today. We'll see you soon in early 2023 for season two of the retail grind. Have a good one. <laughs>